Thanks for listening to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, check us out at cbctaylorville.com. Join us now as Pastor Steve delivers this week's message. As you find your seats today, uh, again, thank you for being here with us. I know because of the, uh, uh, our, our national time event that happened last night, some of you this morning are just so well rested because you got an extra hour, and some of you are just early to the second service, so I, I don't know which one you might be, but either way, I'm glad that you're here this morning and uh, looking forward to what God's going to do. Let me do a, a little trivia this morning. Uh, name this movie. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's the Wizard of Oz. Yes, we're talking about my cousin Dorothy from Kansas, right? Okay, uh, 1939, classic movie uh, with that line as she's, uh, she's sent from with Glinda to, the, to, to get on the yellow brick road, click her heels, say those words, grab her dog Toto, and everything, everything changes. There's no place like home. It's interesting, I, just, just a bit of trivia, that probably was borrowed from a phrase in a poem song that was written about 100 years before uh, the movie was ever, was ever broadcast, was ever made. And some of you will remember this particular phrase, though you might not remember the song. In the phrase it said this, be it ever so humble, there's no place like home. Home, home sweet home, there's no place like home. All right. So what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks, we're going to use that particular phrase because I, I really think that uh, the, the author Payne and Dorothy were right. There is no place quite like home. One way or the other, there's just nothing quite like it, and we're going to talk about what that looks like. There's no place like home if you've been gone on vacation for a period of time and you've been sleeping on borrowed beds and flat pillows, and it's just like, oh, there's no place like home, right? Or maybe you've been uh, up at a hospital or facility and you're just kind of out of your element and you've been helping or caring and it's just something no place like home, right? We, we get that, we get the concept that, and, and that's what we're going to look at as we talk through the scriptures. There's just no place quite like it. That's what today we're just going to introduce that thought. There's just no place quite like home and it's unique, Honestly, I know that in some form or fashion, home has different ways and it relates differently. And sometimes even home doesn't bring always positive images. But there's, that's the one thing I think we can all agree on. There's just no place quite like it. For good or bad, there's just something unique, something interesting about the home itself. Scripture that I want to kind of launch on, and we're going to come back to it in a little bit. But I want you just to see it. Hebrews chapter 11, I love this paraphrase where it says this, people who live this way make it plain that they are looking for their true home. There's just something that seems within us that whether it's we're talking this home or what we're going to talk in the scriptures, that there's this kind of a a yearning, a longing for home, right? I I just, there's something about that, wherever that is or whatever that, wherever that happens to be or whatever that feels like, there just happens to be this understanding, I, I want to go home, I'm looking for home, there's just no place quite like it in, in a lot of, a lot of ways as we're going to look at it over the next couple of weeks. Um, so one place that I want to start is, let's just, let's just kind of get a, a working definition. And, and so some of you have been participating in this. I, I just put out a little post this week and I asked for some responses of what, when you think of home, what does that home mean to you? 
And I've got several. I'm going to share some probably over the next couple of weeks, but I wanted to share a few of them with you this morning. So some of these are from your, from, from right here in this room. Some of them are some friends of mine around the country and just kind of their, their perspective. But we just ask a question. When you think of home, what do you think of? Or what does home mean to you? Let, let me show you a couple of the answers. Uh, Sharon said this, home to me is a place of safety and love. Okay, keep, keep going. We're just going to roll through these. Brandon said home is where family comes together, grows together, and builds memories that will last for a lifetime. Shayla said, home is more than just a place you rest your weary head. It's comfort. It's safety. It's where your loved ones are. You're going to like this one. Home is where I leave the seat up. Now, isn't I, I thought this was ironic. Look at his name. Okay, just saying, all right? Just saying. All right, go on to the next one. Home is a safe place where you're always welcomed with open arms and loved unconditionally. Home is where you can be where you, who you truly are. No facades, no pretenses. You are just you, and that is enough. Home to me is my family, my safety, my comfortable, my secure. Not a place so much, but a feeling. And last one for today, loved ones, good food, laughs, warm coffee, a good book, and a snuggly blanket, and of course, a nap. And if you read this one, you saw my wife said, I think she nailed it, all right? That's, the, that's my wife's definition also of a, of a home. So we're going to be looking at that. What is the idea? What does home mean when we talk about, and, and that's kind of what we want to do today. We're going to just kind of dive into that understanding of what home is, definition uh, from us, as well as if we look through the scriptures and kind of get a picture of how, how God, uh, what we see from God's point of view of what a home is or what he has designed it to be, all of those things, because we know home is more than a place, I get that, but home is also, it's more than a feeling, it's, it's, it's a, a very interesting thing to begin to define and begin to think about when you throw out the word home, what, what does all that look like? And, and I think God gives us some clues about what, what the home is supposed to, be, supposed to be. Here's what we know. God created the home. The home is not something that culture came up with, okay? Uh, the culture didn't come up with something to kind of make everything better, so let's have marriages and let's have families. That wasn't culture's idea. God put that in place. So since God started the home... It would, it would only do us good to go to the source of creating the home and see what he thinks about the home. Let me show you. Here's how he created it. In the beginning, in the very first two created beings, God began the home. And when Jesus reflected on that in Matthew chapter 19, here's what Jesus said about this, this first thing we know of the home. Verse 4, verse 4 of 19, Jesus said, haven't you read, he replied, that in the beginning the creator made them male and female, and he said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Now, that was God's original plan. The home begins right here. And from the very beginning, there's something unique about the home. Is there not two becoming one? This all, there's something very unique as God puts into place what we refer to now as the home, the start of the family. It begins with the, the marriage of these, these two individuals. All of this begins, it launches what God has designed to be the home. But of course, where we know this to happen in the book of Genesis, this was all, it all started before sin. So when the home began, and when these verses are read in the first time in Genesis, this is before sin has entered. And once sin enters, then there is never from that point on ever another perfect home. 
before sin, that, that, that home was in its, when it's in its perfect state, everything was just as it should be. Never, ever since sin, that has always been different. There's always been an issue because now you have, you have a home, and you have, but it, it's filled with, with human beings who are not perfect. And so within a home, you're going to have issues based on who we are and based on what sin has brought into it. it it's all this, this understanding of, of we, we know home to be, and we know it's not going to ever be absolutely perfect. There's going to be issues, but what can home look like in this now, post-sin world. What, what is it that home is meant to be and, and is meant to be described as according to the Scripture? So do a little study if, if you want to, but if you go through the Bible, the, the word home, depending on your translation, is used anywhere from 120 times to about 190 times, uh, the, the actual word home. Then there are other words that are translated as other ways and sometimes as home, depending on your translation. The word house, for instance, which is sometimes home, is used over 2,000 times in the Scripture. So it's, it's a word that comes up in, in quite frequent uh, manner throughout the Scriptures. But what is he talking about? Right, what is it right here, right now, and what is God looking for? So here's, what, so here's what I did. I kind of went through some of the words this week, tried to kind of peruse what they're saying and get an idea behind just because there are several different words that are translated the word home. Several different words in Hebrew and Greek that are translated. So based on that, what is he trying to tell us? What is the home by God's description? What kind of does it look like? As we, as What are the words that would describe the home? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about two very, I hope, profound but simple truths that God tells us about our home that I think can be very helpful if we're listening wherever. And that's the thing. Home is... It has not only several different ideas and pictures, but home is also what we're talking is whether that home includes a marriage, it includes a family, it includes kids, it might in, or not, or it includes grandkids or not. It might be single or single again. It's home has all these elements now as we look into the scriptures. And what does that look like? All of us at some point, in some way, understand the concept of home and what, what does that look like for us. So we're going to look at those two things, two principles I hope will help, and then hopefully wrap it up with something to just to, to chew on, to take home, to, to increase your home. Let's start with definition, first of all. Here's what we get from the scriptures. Home, and, and I'm going to give you four words. Home is where we, according to scripture, we live. That makes sense, right? Home is where you, you live. It's where you hang your hat, okay? One of the, one of the most populated words in the scriptures for the word home or its equivalent is the place, the, the, the location of, the, of where, you, where you call the place, the place you settle in the Old Testament, the place that they inhabited. Home is the place in which you live. It's a place that you, you come to. And that home might be a specific place. We're going to that address. Or it could be a kind of a regional thing, kind of a, a country, kind of a, a place that you feel at home in. I'll give you an example, and we'll keep moving. Numbers 15, after you have entered the land, Moses told the people, or the Lord told Moses to tell the people, after you've entered the land, I am giving you as a home. They were looking forward to a land, and that land was going to become their, their dwelling place, their habitation. It was going to be the place where they lived. It was going to be their home. So, you know, as people change homes, and some people, some people in this room, you have changed homes, living places on multiple occasions, and one home now changes to another home. You, you kind of get that idea. Some of you may never leave the home. In, you've, you've been here all of your life, and you plan to stay here. I mean, to you, a far country is Springfield and Decatur, right? So you're, you're kind of right here in this, and that whatever, whether that's you're moving, or 
Some may have gone away, but you still, your home still feels like here. And you come back. You hear that. But the idea is home is where you, it's where you live. Okay? Here's another word we learned from Scripture. Home is where you learn. One of the things that from the very beginning God set up within the home is it's to be a place of instruction. A place for knowledge. A place for life skills. Particularly, the Bible obviously makes it very clear that it is to be a place where God truths are poured into the family from all ages. It's to be a place where God is not only heard about, but is, he is instructed about. As, as we, one of the, the premier examples, and you see it throughout Scripture, the children of Israel had been in Egypt for, for years. God releases them, but they spend now, before they actually get to their home that Numbers talked about, they spend 40 years wandering around a wilderness. All the time, just want, can't wait till they get home. They're wandering around this wilderness, and they're, 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 they're intense, so they're literally, their address, the place, that their home is a tent that just moves, it relocates on, as God moves them, waiting for that time. So God tells in the book of Deuteronomy, hey, you're going to get there, it's coming pretty soon, but here's what I want you to know when you get to this place. Look what he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Now notice, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home, when you uh, walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Earlier, Deuteronomy had said you're to teach these commandments to your children and to their children after them. So he's talking about not only parents, but grandparents. Home is to be this place where the love of God, the commandments of God, the truth of God is impressed upon everyone who lives in that home. It's not to be an accident, or I hope they catch it, or I hope somewhere along the line that they hear somebody tells them about God, or they, they get to church and they, the church tells them about It's about in the home is to be the place, the primary place, where children, where the family gets their instruction, gets their truth about who God is, to be impressed upon them. And, and the home is talking about when I'm going here, when tomorrow we get up and we move and all this, it's all surrounding this, this home atmosphere. In fact, when Paul talks a little bit about this, and we'll kind of dive into this in a couple of weeks, but Ephesians chapter 6, he said this, Fathers or parents, do not exasperate your children. Instead, look at this, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. That's what's supposed to happen in the home. Parents, we've got a huge job to do. We can't make our kids ultimately follow God, but we have to do everything we can to make sure they get all the information, all the truth that we possibly can give them. That's what home is. We're to train them up to know the Lord. So the, the home is a place to live, a place to learn. And here's one of the obvious ones. Home is where we love. We'll see this throughout the scriptures. We'll talk about it as we go along. Love is one of the big words that comes along with the home and the family. And it's all, you know, love seems to surround what we're talking about. It includes so many things, the feelings of love and the words of love and actions of love. It includes forgiveness. It includes patience. It includes compassion. All those things are wrapped up. And as you walk through, as you look through this word love and the, and the idea of the house and the home and all this is involved, one of the premier passages, Ephesians 5, talking about the, that original home, the marriage. Ephesians 5 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. See, that's family home love, the way God intended. Look at that. That's That's unconditional. It's uh, sacrificial. It, this is, this is a kind, that's what we'd call home love. 
It's love that will give whatever it takes to make sure that you're cared for. That's, uh, home is supposed to, is to include those things. So home is a place to live, a place to learn, a place to love, and home is a place to rest. I know it doesn't have an L. If you want to add an L, it could be lay down or lean. You can do whatever. But it just, rest is a very, it, it's a very biblical word. And we're going to see, I think it has a very, very powerful idea when we talk about the home, when we talk about rest. I, I, th- I found this word, and it, just the way it was used, to be very interesting. It it's happens in, in the book of Ruth. There's a lady by the name of Naomi. Naomi has been away from home for some period of time. A- after her husband passes, she comes, she comes home to where she originated from. But with her comes one of her daughter-in-laws by the name of Ruth. And now Ruth's husband has also passed, which would, have been her, which would have been Naomi's son. And Naomi is not just being a clever matchmaker, trying to get her, her daughter-in-law married off, but she has a definite purpose. There's a reason. There's something that she says she needs. And, and here's what she says, and she uses that word. Ruth 2 and verse 3 and verse 1 says, I must find a home for you. Your, your translation may say, literally, I, I need to find a rest for you. I need to find a place of security for you. That word rest, security, it can also be translated home because she said for where you will be provided for. The word in the Hebrew is the word manoah and it literally means a place of rest. The home is to be that place of rest but another definition of manoah is also a place of satisfaction, a place of contentment, a place where it, it literally it includes all of those words, some we saw in, in some of the definitions, that place of security, that place where you fit, it's, that's the place of rest. That's what the home, as God is designed, that's one of the words he uses. It's a description of what home is to be. Great descriptions, right? Okay, the home is to live, to learn, to love, to rest. But I can already see in some of your faces, uh, some of you are going, wow, that's, that's great. <laughs> but obviously, you've never visited my home. <laughs> you, you, these words don't tend to be part of who we are. You know, those are all great, but, but Pastor, you're kind of talking, it sounds more like a, you know, a 50 sitcom, kind of the words you're using, or maybe a Hallmark Christmas movie. Yes, the madness has begun, okay? So whatever, it's, it's just this kind of, it's idealistic, this is what's going, this is what it, you know, this is, a, this is what home is to be and none of us are ever going to, understand, it, these words for home are what God has designed home to be, but remember, we live in a world that has been jaded by sin, and so we're never going to reach the perfection of any of these, so, so what does that do to us? Two words I want to give you, number one, whoever you are, whatever your home is, whether you're married, single, single again, uh, Whatever, whatever stage you're in, listen to this, breathe. That's my first word. If you look at those words and say, our home doesn't meet those perfectly, join the club. There's not a home in here that meets any of those criteria perfectly. It's not about, we, if, we, if we can't do all that, then something's wrong with me or something's wrong with us or our home has no hope. There's, breathe. Just, just take a second and understand that God's not setting a standard knowing that as humans we're never going to meet it and saying, okay, you just never, God knows. And that's the second thing is to smile. I want you to, everyone just look, turn to the person next to you and just smile. Don't say anything, just, <laughs> that, that's funny from up here. But anyway, just turn and smile. And, and here's the reason. I, I don't want you to be shocked or distraught because God knows you. God knows your home. God knows your situation. God loves you. God still has a plan. 
God can still work. God is still working in your home situation. What we're going to talk about over the next few weeks are things that I think by God's word that he can encourage you to add. Every home can use some improvements. So he's going to give us some things that can help us in our journey as a home, wherever that is, whatever that looks like. And, and always know that no matter where you are, that he loves you and he'll still work and he's still, just, just trust him. Give him, give him some space to do what he wants to do in, in your life because the home is that important to God and it should be that important to us. God, what do you want me to do? How can I take a step to just make this the home that you've created it to be? All right, so that's where we're going to go for the next couple of weeks. Let me give you two this morning, two just kind of overarching thoughts about the home as we look through the scriptures. Number one, and I think this is very simple but profound, it takes more than hard work to build a great home. It's more than, it's more than just, just a valiant effort on your part that's going to make your home better or great. Let me give you a very uh, real example. My wife and I have been married for a few years. So let's say I, I go home this afternoon and I say, Hon, I, I love you so much, I'm, I'm personally going to build you a new home. Got a piece. What are you guys laughing at? <laughs> okay, so, so after she stopped laughing, okay, once I say that, and she, she stops laughing and she looks and goes, oh, wait, you're serious, right? You're, you really think it, it, Anyone who knows me, including my wife, would know that that is virtually an impossibility. I have trouble with just simple tasks of nailing things to a wall and screw, to build a house. No, it's not going to happen. I, no, no th- I would work hard. I'd Google it. <laughs> I'd, I'd say, you know, Siri, how do you build a home? I mean, I, would, I, would, I could put an effort into it, but it's really not something that I have the capacity to do, at least not at, not at my age and, and ability to learn now, right? It's just not going to happen. Here's what you got to understand. No matter how your hard work is not the only thing that you say, I work a little harder, i got to try a little more, i got to, if I just, then everything, I'll have it. It takes more than hard work to build a, a great home. Let me give you a couple of verses that just kind of remind us of that. The book of Proverbs, chapter 24. Solomon writes these words. He says, by wisdom, a house is built, and through understanding, it is established. It wasn't just hard work. There's, there's got to be some wisdom. There's got to be some some expertise. For me to build a house, I need a little wisdom, not just I'm going to work hard. But look at some of these other translations I think are very powerful. It takes wisdom to have a good family. It takes understanding to make it strong. The last one I love, homes are built on the foundation of wisdom and understanding. Yes, it's going to take hard work and effort, but it takes more than that. There's got to be some, some growing, some learning about what God is, has in mind, wisdom and understanding to build the home that God has designed or God wants, wants, wants you to have. You know, for some, we think about this, homes, great homes are not built by accident. But I do know that some great homes come as quite a surprise to some of us. I can't believe that worked. You know, I can't believe my kids actually lived through teenage years. You know, some of you think, how did we actually get through this? And you see some, because it's not just about I worked hard and I, I read all the right books and I put all the right dots in place. It, it takes more than that. There's wisdom. There's understanding. There is effort. There is hard work. God wants to build your home, but it's going to take more than just what you have, your, your ingenuity, more than your hard work to make this, 
make this happen, to truly build a home, a marriage, whether it's your life, your career, whatever that home, if you would, or whatever that desire, your future looks like. It's going to take more than just your hard work to get it to be where it needs to be. One of the premier passages, and this is where I want to land today, Psalm chapter 127. If you have your Bibles, electronic devices, just the first couple of verses, just a great psalm, and it talks specifically about the home. But let me just show you what he says right off the bat. Psalm 127, verse number 1, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Trying to build your home, your family, your marriage, your life, your career, your future. You trying to do that without God, three times you see the phrase, it's in vain. It's useless. Without, it's, it's more than your hard work, your ingenuity. It says without God, look, look at the description. Let's just walk through it. If the Lord doesn't build, that's his first word. If he doesn't build, and he uses the word house, that word house is the word, several other translations, it, it could be home. It's the same word. It, unless the Lord is building your home, unless the Lord is building your life is the picture that he's trying to get. That God's in the construction business, but it has nothing to do with boards and, and uh, the mortar. And the, it, it has to do with, with life. It has to do with who you are and what he has designed for you. And, and he's, uh, I'm going to encourage our life groups this week, if you're doing the, the sermon study, it's just to kind of ask that question, what does it mean to build? Let the Lord build my house. What, what does that look like? Because it's a very interesting, what, when he says, unless the Lord is building my home, what does that look like for us? I, I, I don't know that I have all the answers. I, don't, I'm, I guarantee I don't have all the, uh, the, the, the way to fill in that blank. But it does, it has to include, if the Lord's building your house, it has to include time with him. It has to include his word. It has to include some prayer. It has, you, you, God's got to be there, present, visible, and real in your home if he's building your home. For us to say, have a plaque on the wall, the Lord is building this house, and yet the Lord's never mentioned, the Lord's never a part of it, How that, that doesn't make any sense. If the Lord is building your house, then his presence is going to have to be seen on an increasingly growing level within your home. So what does that look like for you? What next step would that be? Maybe it is just every night we, we do stop and we pray together or we, we make sure we open God's word together. We get a devotion for our family or as a married couple. I, I don't know what that might look for your life, but unless the Lord's presence is increasingly becoming a centerpiece of your life, then, then you can't say the Lord's building your home. Unless, but unless the Lord's building your home, he says it, it's in vain. It's got to be part of it. L look at the next thing. If the Lord doesn't build or if he doesn't protect, he says if the Lord's not watching over the city. Simple definition. What is a city? A city is a collection of homes. A city is the collection of people within their homes and in their, the places that they call home, the places where they live. It's a collection of those things. So the cities then had gates, they had bars, they had walls around them to, to protect them from all of the, the marauders. And so he said, unless the Lord is protecting the city, I don't care how good your, your fences or how good your gates or how good your guards are, you're, it's going to be in vain unless the Lord is the one true. I mean, we have ADT, we have Slomans, we have, you know, we have a, the eye thing or the ring thing that you can look on your... All, or you, the classic Smith & Weston protection. I, you, whatever it is, there's ways that you think, I am preserving, I am protecting my home. And do you realize, as good as you may be at that, without the Lord protecting your home, all your efforts 
are at some point going to be useless. They're in vain. You can't protect your home, because we're not just talking about against robbers and against, against those guys. It's not just that. It's not home protection against flash flood. We're talking about things that are attacking your home. They're attacking your kids. We're talking about the culture. We're talking about mindset. We're talking about evil and temptation. We're talking about busyness, whatever it is, distraction. That's atta- there, is a, there is a war against your home. And if you think you've got the power to protect it on your own, you're, you're, you're fooling yourself. Unless the Lord is protecting the city, then, then the guards are really, they're not really going to be able to do their job. If the Lord doesn't build, if the Lord doesn't protect, and if the Lord doesn't provide. That, that verse number two is, is kind of powerful. In vain you rise up early, you stay up late, toiling for food to eat. But he grants sleep to those he loves. What he's, God never discourages hard work. Not, none of this is to say, well, then just don't work so hard. It's not about discouraging effort. Here's what God says. I think this verse is specifically speaking to what we would call in our vernacular workaholism. If you think that you just, you work that much harder and you pr- you're, you're going to provide, you're going to take care. This is me and my family and I can do that. Keep working hard, but understand, if you're ra- getting up late and you're going to bed, uh, well, vice versa, you're getting up early, going to bed late, just because that's what you've got to do to provide and you're not including the Lord. You're burning the candle at both ends, and that just means you're going to burn out a lot sooner. Because God said, I will provide. You've got to trust me. I've got to be the centerpiece of your home. What does that look like for God to be the one that is making it? He said, literally, the toiling is hard, hard as you work. There's got to be another ingredient in there, or none of your hard work makes any sense. Let me just wrap it up this way. If the Lord doesn't build your home, protect your home, provide for our home, our hard work, according to Scripture, is a waste of time. You got all those ingredients, but you leave out the Lord. It's a waste of time. It's useless. It's worthless, according to these passages. What does that mean? Well, here it is. You can't build your home without God. I don't know how more simple to say it. You say, wait a second. I don't agree with you, Pastor, because I've been doing this without God for a long time, and I think we're doing pretty well. I think we've done pretty good. M- maybe, maybe the... The thing is we need to define what a great home looks like. Because if a great home is simply, you know, my kids all have shoes and they have clothes and we're fed. And my kids are, you know, civil. They got jobs. They go get, they start families. If, if that is the criteria for having a great home or we, you know, we've got, we don't have a, a, a caustic home and we don't fight. If that's the definition of a great home, then, then there's a lot of people that don't even acknowledge God that would, define that but let me tell you something God who designed home has something bigger he has a purpose he has a mission for your home he has something he wants you and your family to do that only you and your family can do and only you and your home can do and without God you're going to miss on the way God is designed for you to be so you can have a great home by the world's definition and miss a great home by God's description because God wants, has so much more money. He says, and if you're trying your hardest and you get all this done, end of the day, everybody's got food. But what if your kids don't even know God? What if other family members don't even, they, can't, they don't even have a forever home with God because God was never really that important in my home. Or my kids growing up, they just saw that everything else could be before God. So, so then when they get on their own, what are they going to do? Sure, they got a nice home, but they don't even talk about God. They don't even, they don't even visit the church. Understand, they have to make their own choices. But the point is this. The, the most important thing about life is to let God be the centerpiece. Let him build your home. Make sure he's part of protecting your home. 
Make sure he's the one providing for your home. So that in the end, you understand that God is, is the one that's made this. There's no amount of energy that, that can, will, will equal God doing his work within your home. But on the other hand, if you are trusting God, and you are doing as best you can to make God the centerpiece of your home, then on the other hand, this verse is also telling us that you can trust him. You can, it's, it's not something that we need to worry about at that point. And see, that's where we, get, sometimes it's not so much that I'm not trusting God, but now I, I've trusted him and now I'm worried about what's going to happen and what are my kids going to do, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, wait a second, God's the centerpiece of my home. He's providing, he's protecting, he's building. So God, this is your home and I'm trusting you. Not going to worry about it no more. That's where he comes back to that. If you sit up, or get up early, go bed late, and, and it's all because you're worried about how it's going to work. Said God gives those he loves sleep. Now, I know some of you wish you had a little bit more. I get that. There are other reasons why we don't sleep. Could be physical. Could be grief. and emo- I get that. But if our lack of sleep is because of our presence of worry, God is saying, why? Trust me. Trust me and rest. Trust me and just say, God, I don't know what's going to happen, and my kids, man, ooh, I, I, I just, I'm leaving them in your hands. Then that's the best place for them to be. Trust that. Trust that God loves your kids more than you do. Trust that God loves your home more than you do. Give it to him. Let him protect, provide, and build, and then trust him. But one of the greatest mottos I think we could ever adopt, Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And that would be one of the greatest mottos for your home, your life. Your, you know what? Rather than worry, then I'm, I, God, you're the builder. You're the protector. God, I bring this to you, and I trust. I don't, I don't know the answers. I don't like where some things are going, but, God, I, I trust you. I'm going to make this as simple as we can. I don't care who you are, whatever your family, your life, your marriage, whatever it is. The most important thing we all have in common that we need is God. That's, that could be, you say, you're the preacher, you have to say that. This is church, you have to say that. That's the truth. The creator of the universe said, if you leave me out of this equation, or you don't include me in this equation, all your hard work ultimately can only go so far. You need God in your life. You need God in your marriage. You need God in your, your family. Jesus gives us a classic example, and I'm just going to read it for you because I think it kind of speaks for itself. Matthew chapter 7. Verse number 24, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house. That's also sometimes translated home, built his home on the rock. The rains came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. The storms were the same. The rains were the same. It was just the foundation that was different. One home stood, one home crashed. It's about it goes back to what, what does it mean to build on, well, one of the most important things is, are you listening to God and not only listening, but applying what God, is you, are you trying in your life and in your home and family to live and apply what God has said? That makes you a wise builder. God is building your house or not. And the, the results God, Jesus makes very clear for us. One thing crystal clear, hearing 
and applying God's word. Okay, so first thing, hard work alone doesn't build a great home. Here's the second thing, and I, I, as we start this idea of home, and this one's really, really special when you think about it. For those of you who know follow, your followers of Christ, you know Jesus, remember this. True home is where the Father is. We always put in where the heart is. Please understand, true home is where the Father is. I, I, I want to explain, here's how Jesus put it, John chapter number 14, incredible statement. He was replying to his, his disciples, this is just hours before he's going to be arrested and ultimately go to the cross. They're in, they're in a state of confusion and state of some fear and panic. Here's some of the words he uses. Verse 23, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them, and look at this, and make our home with them. Christians, have you thought about that? That when you trust in God, you put your faith in Christ, God says, here, let me describe what that is. I'm making my home in you. It's not just God's there and I'm here and we're, we're on good terms. God makes your heart his home. I will make my home with you, followers of Jesus Christ. That's, that's amazing. Creator of the universe, making your life, your family, your home, his home. Because of your, your relationship with, with his son, Jesus Christ. See, here's what we know. The human race began. Sin messed everything up. We talked about it. One of the first things it messed up was the home. It got in marriages. And, and it's just, that's, we know that there will never be such thing as a perfect home. But God quickly showed in that original plan, God had made his home with his original couple. They, the Bible talks about just this one thing we don't quite understand, but they would walk in the cool of the day together. There was home. They were, that, that was the, they knew that that was home, right? Then sin messes everything up. But God very quickly shows that he had a plan already in place that was going to bring back the human race to be able for that to be a reality again. For God to be, to, to have this home relationship. Here's how he describes it. Exodus chapter 25 to his people, he said this, Then have them make a sanctuary for me. And I will, look at this, dwell among them. The, words, the word dwell means, is, is a word we would translate tabernacle. I will build a, I want you to build a place where I will dwell with you. And within that tabernacle, not only was, did God say, I want to, there had to be something that made that real. And so there were sacrifices that were offered. And these sacrifices were ones that would cover the sin of the people. And through that covering of their sin, they were able then to experience the presence of God in their midst. God said, I want to dwell with you. And he did it through the system of, of those sacrifices for years and years. And then we get to John, the New Testament, chapter 1. And God shows us where all of this was leading to. Look what he says in chapter 1, verse 14. So the word, that's Jesus, became human and made his home among us. That word made his home, dwelled with us. It's the same word, it's tabernacled. Jesus, God, came and literally now in human skin is dwelling with the human race. 
He said, I want this to happen. I want this to come back. And so God said, here's a picture of it in the tabernacle in the Old Testament. Now, Jesus comes. He literally, God comes and he dwells with his people. And he said, he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the, of the, of the Father's one and only Son. God came in this flesh. Then God gave his flesh for us as a sacrifice. He died on the cross for our sins, rose again, came back to life. And what God is doing is he has now made a way for all of us, as Jesus said, for God to be, have his home with us. He made it through the very presence of his son, Jesus Christ, who came to dwell with. All of this was to make it so that the, where the Father is, that's, there's people looking for home. They're looking for fulfillment. They're looking for life. And i got to tell them, home is where the Father is. It's where God is, and he's made a way for us to know him through his son, Jesus Christ. So, now, we, we come to all of that. God has told us what Jesus did. You go to the last book of the Bible, the concluding words of the book of Revelation. After all of heaven and earth is finally settled, God is taking care of all of that, and now we get this picture of heaven. Look how God describes heaven in Revelation chapter 21. He said, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them. And he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more sorrow or crying or pain. All those things are gone forever. If you know God through his son Jesus Christ, he has made his home with us. But we're, we're still fighting through this, but there will be a day. When in absolute perfection, our home, our presence for the rest of eternity is with our Father. We call that heaven. We sang about it today. What a beautiful picture it is to know that the home that God has made with us is leading to this one eternal, forever existence with him. It kind of reminds me of an Old Testament verse that some of you will recognize. David said something at the end of perhaps his most famous psalm, Psalm 23. The last verse says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. God's presence, I get it here, but what's the last phrase? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now that's home. He's saying there is a possibility that, that yes, on this earth, I'm going to have homes here, I'm going to have homes there, and, and I get that we're always longing. The home that we're looking for is a home with the Father, and the home with the Father comes through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. And if you know Him, then you will dwell in the home of the Lord forever. Because where the Father is, that's home. That's where we'll find this true home that we're looking for. So now, if, you're, if, if you know this verse, it makes so much more sense, doesn't What Jesus said at the beginning of John 14 to those disciples, he said, guys, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, home, same word, in my Father's home, it has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place. He's building us a forever home, he says. And, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you will be where I am. And where is Jesus? He's in his Father's home. Where the home is truly where the Father is. Paul addressed this, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. He said, therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in this body, we are away from the Lord. 
For we live uh, by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, would prefer to be away from this body and be at home with the Lord. If you're a follower of Christ, that is your hope. God has made his home with you through his son, Jesus Christ, and you have the hope of a true, forever home. This week, um, before Josh left, and I asked him if I could share this story, and he, he agreed. It would be great for you guys to hear. Before they left, the night of JB's passing, he was he sat down his two kids, and he began to explain to them about Pop's passing. And now you have a seven-year-old girl processing all of this. And, and so they left the room and, and thought about it and, and so forth, and, and they're working through it. But as I got ready for bed that night, they were going to say their prayers together. And all through the past week, this is the prayer they've been saying every night. God, please comfort my pops. That's what they prayed every night. So that night, after Josh had explained, his precious little girl begins her prayers. And as she had said all week, she said, God, and please comfort pops. And she stops. She realized what she had said, and she continued. And she said, as he's getting settled in his new home. <laughs> Holy cow, what a theologian. Because JB's home is already with God. Now he's got a forever home with God. Comfort him as he gets settled in, God, to his new home, his new digs. I don't know this morning where you stand, but do you have that kind of hope and peace and confidence? That if, as long as I'm here in this body, I'm away from my forever home. But one day, this body's, but I'm going to be forever at home with the Lord. Because home is where the Father is. Takes us full circle to the verse we started with today. People who say or speak this way, live this way, make it plain that they are looking for their true you want to look at the people he's talking about in that verse there are people that before and after that are living lives of faith but here's what set them apart their lives had trouble their lives had issues but because they knew that this home was not the end they had a different perspective on life it's like that old song if you've been around a while this world is not my home i'm just a passing through i get it this life is I have had some wonderful places to live. I've had a, I have a wonderful family and a home. But this isn't all there is. There is a home. And I've been looking for it. And now that makes me look at this life a little bit differently. When crisis comes, when tragedy comes, even death comes, I look at it differently because I know that this is not home. Home is where the Father is. And one day, because I know Jesus, that will be my forever home. So I got two questions for you. Do you know that you have that true forever home? Has there been a point in your life when you recognized that you were a sinner separated from the Father and that Jesus died and rose again from you and you needed to receive that gift? Have you received the gift of eternal life, a forever home with the Father? If not, today could be the day that you recognize your need of a Savior and you call out to Jesus and you begin that forever home. But here's a question I'm going to ask you just to think about as you're going through this week and 
in the next weeks to come, especially as we dive into this even further. Am I building a great home? Are there things that God is already maybe showing me today? Maybe just the things that providing and protecting and building. Are there things God's already speaking that, that he wants me to, to show him how to just make some improvements, take some steps to, to build the home that he has designed for our family? Am I building a great home by God's design?